Welcome to the Rosenbox, where dancers go for show prep and candy chat. I'm Claire Kretschmar. And I'm Aron Sands. And we're dancers with New York City Ballet. Welcome back to the Rosenbox. Today's theme, we're going to talk about what happens backstage. When you come to a show, you get to see what happens on stage. But today, I want to bring to you what happens behind the scenes and what dancers do. And there's so much that happens backstage. Oh, too much at times. There's a lot of drama sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, we got to get ready for the show. We got a show to put on. Yep. So you stay on the stage level to yeah. warm up. So the guys are on the third floor in the theater. And yeah, once I leave the third floor, I bring everything with me that I need to, to um, not have to come back at all. Because if anything happens, I like to have everything available to me. I could bring like a different pair of shoes down or like anything that I might need. I'm like, I need to bring the foam roller down with me today. Yeah. Anything that I need, I like to bring it down with me. Make a little campsite mm -hmm. on the stage level. Yep. And usually, it depends on the ballet, but usually I like to get into costume, half or almost all of it, and warm up with the costume. I do too. I Well, I don't do my bar warm up in costume, but I do everything all of my exercises before and then I put on my costume as early as I can maybe about 15 minutes before the show mm -hmm. starts because I like to feel what the movements yes. feel like yes. in the costume because sometimes the costume can be a little bit limiting mm -hmm. and sometimes the costume puts you in a different mood yeah and so I like to do some of the steps in order to feel what it get physically in, feels like but then also to get in the right mood or some of them are like weirdly like heavy in one way or another not yeah. only for the guys, but like for the girls, or like tutus and different fabrics and weights and things. Yeah, it can shift your weight and your balance. You want to get in tune with that, whatever with your the costume. With the, yeah, with the that new night. self, with the wide tutu around you. Or um, one of the heaviest costumes is the Spanish dress oh, in the Nutcracker. It looks like And when you rehearse that part you're like oh, I got this I'm jumping so high <laughs> my leg is going up <laughs> but then when you get to the stage and you have the costume it is so heavy it's it's probably we could ask our dressers but it's probably another I don't know seven to ten pounds what I, I that's a guess I'm not sure but it really does make a difference wow and speaking of the dressers one of the most precious moments before we go on stage is getting dressed oh truly because that's the last step, step that's the usually. last step usually maybe yeah. the girls sew their ribbons to their tights right after that but well, like usually it's like the last thing you have to do before yeah you go and on. it's usually the last very personal interaction that you have me i mean maybe i shouldn't say that because we talk to the dancers that we're about to perform mm -hmm. with but they deal they deal with a lot in there because we're usually coming in quite late i mean we like to get in our costume a little early but a lot of people don't put it on yeah till about five it's minutes like, yeah it's a lot of us stage and there's a lot of people in each ballet but um, i think they're really good with dealing with our energy they and they're so they're good, good. At, it, it's a gift it takes a while to like know how to read someone and understand their energy and respect that and try to help because like 
a lot of the times it's like the last few words you hear from someone and a lot of times they send you off and they wish you married and yeah and then they take your costume off sometimes when you're in a great mood sometimes when you're in a bad mood and also they're there for you mm-hmm. then they're a good support system they are an amazing support system Another very familiar face that we are around backstage is Margaret Mailer. Yeah, she's our director of production, and she oversees everything that goes on backstage. So it'll be interesting to hear her side of it, because we can see what she's doing, but I know that yeah. she probably has a million more thoughts yeah. that we don't even know we only, about. We only see her usually when we're in the show, but I know she's there when we get there in the morning and she's there Mm -hmm. when we leave at night. Yeah, sometimes I think the dancers have the longest schedule, but... But then think again. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for dipping your toe into the rosin box, Marguerite. We're very happy to have you here today. I'm happy to be here. Um, And you are the New York City Ballet's director of production. That is correct. Could you tell us a little bit about your position and all of the jobs that you do? I'm the director of the production department, and I supervise a team of seven production staff. That includes three lighting staff and two stage managers and a technical director that helps with the trucking and the scenery. And then all of us together, we supervise the local stage crew for each performance. Um, So that's just one small part of my job is managing the actual shows and the productions for New York City Ballet. But that job encompasses a lot more in that I work with all the departments at the ballet. Um, So I'm having conversations now about the art series and how to set that up. And I've worked with all the different art series artists. And that's really... That we do in the winter. That we do in the winter. And that's really fun because it's different every time and it's a different experience. And I work with the all the costume shops and the wardrobe department because we help manage all of their gear and we're shuttling all the costumes back and forth and we coordinate the schedules at home and on tour so I work closely with them. I work with the music department. Um, I work with press and promotion whenever they do things around the building. I make sure that they have the proper staff and they have what they need. So this position in particular kind of gets to work with everybody. Yeah, you're such a connector wow. figure. It sounds so easy. It does. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't many jobs at all. <laughs> right. It's like if you're involved with New York City Ballet at all, you know Marguerite. And yeah, she knows definitely. you. This is true. This is true. Yeah, you were one of the first faces yeah. of the backstage crew yep. that I encountered. Right. Because and we a connector to. with like every little department in the house. Yes. Yeah. With all of those hats that you wear, is there a typical day? Does the day have a certain structure, or does it really just depend? There are sort of two kinds of days. There's When we're in performance, we come in uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning. So wow. me and the lighting team and the technical director, we come in at 8 a.m., and we work with the crew um, from 8 until noon. And then we come back at 1, and we work with the dancers from 1 to 6, and then we have the show that night. So, you know, our typical morning is setting up scenery and focusing lights and getting re- ready either for that day or the next day's coming ahead. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, we work with the dancers, and that is sometimes on what we're doing that day or something in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, some ballets need two or three rehearsals prior to the performance and then the performance that night. So it's typically a long day. It's 8 to 10 or 11, depending on the program. Wow. So. Yeah, we were just saying how whenever the dancers come in, we already see you there. Yeah. 
And whenever we go home after a show, we say goodbye. <laughs> we leave you there. And we're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how long have you been doing this? How many years? I've been with the New York City Ballet for 24 years. It'll be 25 next uh, April. That's like Maria Karowski. Yeah. yeah. We started at the same time, Whoa, actually. Good connection. Um, Full circle. I remember Maria joined right when I did because I had the job of writing all the dancers' names on the theater cases. Oh. So when I had to write Maria Karowski, I had to kind of look two or three times to make sure that I had spelled that properly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, we started at the same time. Backstage looks like there's two huge rooms on Sections, either yeah. side of the stage. That's basically what it is. There's extremely high ceilings. Mm-hmm. And at the front of the backstage on stage right is where Marguerite resides with a kind of elaborate, extensive... A big, impressive... Big, calling desk yeah big impressive <laughs> calling it's like mission desk. control yes yeah. yeah that's exactly yeah. what it's like and so throughout the performance there are dancers running around um in those two rooms on either side of the stage and there are also stage hands on those sides there are lights and then there are also people up in the ceiling area. It's not yeah, up in the fly loft. Yeah, the fly, mm-hmm. loft. fly loft. Thanks for giving us proper terminology. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ceiling. <laughs> it's the sky. It's like up in the sky. Yeah. Hey, they're overseeing the scenery and the flying scenery. This theater, the Coke Theater, has 99 fly bars, which we call line sets. So there are 99 of them. And depending on what repertory we're doing is what line set is in use. Mm-hmm. So there are some seasons and some weeks where they're all full and we're just we're at max capacity Um, and then there's usually a little bit of room but it's never empty so part of the job and the planning for all of us is what scenery we need at what day at what time and how that rotates through Um, there are some pieces of scenery that are easy to move like like jewels has a Mm -hmm. lot it has three completely different sets But they're all, for the most part, fairly soft. Mm -hmm. So we can take them down. We can move them fairly quickly. There are other ballets like Vienna Waltzes where a lot of the scenery, it's a lot of scenery, it's big and it's hard, and it can't be moved. So when John and Wendy are planning out the upcoming year, we work very closely because we have to sort of look to make sure it'll all fit at all the right time. Because as part of the repertory, things come and go. So those men you see upstairs, they're moving all the line sets and they're bringing the scenery in for each act and for each ballet. Wow. So we are wondering about numbers. How many people do you get to boss around? <laughs> <laughs> There's a, it takes a lot of people to run the show. I mean, besides the seven of us that are part of the production staff, we're managing the local crew and that minimum is 22. We're not usually at 22. We're usually upwards of 30 to 40 on a daily basis. Wow. Yeah. I know. I'm always seeing, like, so many faces around, and dancers are, like, so with the mission, like, you got to do this. But, like, sometimes we didn't notice how many people are around us. And then what's also not so good on our part is when we get in when we're young, we're so concerned with our own job that we don't take time to meet all of these people and then all of a sudden when you get to be older you're like who is that I see them all the time they've been here year after year but you know we just gotta break that ice and I've started to do that with certain people I'm just like hey I just really want to know your name because I need need to know your name I see you all the time 
they have the advantage of being able to know who you are. They do, and you know, yeah, they do. Get and a lot to of them do. You know, they a lot of them watch the ballet. They do. And they're really engaged, and many of them have been here for a very long time. Yeah. You know, I'm talking. I'm the new person at 25 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they can teach me the ballet. <laughs> 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 yeah, and especially I feel like the guys who watch from The Flies, yeah, which is you above, go. Yeah. hey, Very good. Uh, The Flies, they have a bird's eye view, so I, I hope that maybe one day I have a conversation with them and they can point out if I'm too far back in my balance <laughs> Oh yeah, too far they, forward. They can definitely give you, you some know, notes. If they can help me with my pirouettes, that'd be awesome. Yeah, because they really have their eyes on you. they got to follow yeah. you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And talking about all this variety of different ballets, I know some of them involve animals. <laughs> I know we've had different animals uh, backstage, so can you talk a little bit about that and uh, what the protocol it's like? The animals are always a challenge. They're, they're just, they don't communicate. They can't tell you their needs. <laughs> they can follow direction, but to a point. We just had the donkey for Union Jack, which was a new process, a new donkey. We had to have a new donkey this year. Auditions. What's the donkey's name? The donkey's name was Hote. Hote. As in Don. Quixote. Quixote. Hote. So the donkey's name Clever. was Clever. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, he was a pro. He did it in the end. Actually, he didn't do it in the end, which is what I was more thankful for, is that he just did his work and no business and just oh nice nice that's all you can hope for yes right i do every night (laughs) (laughs) um but he was he was a new animal and a new performer and the new challenges to that were is that he had more needs that i wasn't expecting um i mean the history of union jack is we had the same donkey giorgio for 30 years, maybe? Yeah. He was really the longest um, performer in that ballet that we had had. And he knew his choreography. He did Including his thing. Including the dancers. He came and go. I know. Yeah. He, he outlasted most of the dancers. And so when Giorgio passed and we had to start going through the process of a new animal, it was quite a process. You know, so uh, we had to audition and we get headshots. No way. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh that gosh. is glamour. When we start with the process, I ask for the headshots so we can pick donkey versus pony. Right. But um, he, it's amazing how smart some of the animals are. You know, they really learn, like, after we rehearsed him before you guys, you know, came to the stage, uh-huh. we marched him through his choreography, and then we brought the kids in, and he started to get it. He kind of knew how many steps before he stopped at center. I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Showbiz. Yeah. And then we've had the dogs. Mm-hmm. Double Feature has the dog. And then mm-hmm. um, the lady with the little dog. That time we actually used Sterling Hill Teen's personal dog. That was the lowest maintenance dog we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> he was able to share a dressing room, which none of the other ones would do. Um, and he did his thing, and he was really, he was a pleasure. But, you know, the animals, you have to really protect them because if they get nervous or skittish, yeah. it's a wild card out there, yeah. what they could do. They can, yeah, they can really jeopardize And the if show. they do it right, it's adorable and cute it's and amazing. fun. It really works. It really yeah. works. Like, it you does. can do, like, 32 footage, but if a dog <laughs> comes out on cue and does his thing, it's like, ugh, totally you really got competition now. I'm coming to the next show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what would you say is one of the hardest productions you've put on? Things that make it hard is in the repertory situation when we haven't done it for a long time. That's a little bit harder than the actual production itself. You know, we have some very big shows like Sleeping Beauty is enormous and um, Double Feature is another very big show. 
But the challenge that comes for us is when we haven't done it and we're relying on our paperwork or somebody else's paperwork that mm -hmm. we have to figure out where everything goes. We just did DGV in the last season and we hadn't done that for a while. So many of the staff members had never seen it. So they were all relying on um, either my historical memory, which is challenged at times, <laughs> um, or the paperwork, you the know. Notes. So we have to take extra time and we have to make sure that we're really interpreting everything correctly. So that kind of becomes a bigger challenge. Like Nutcracker is one of the biggest shows that we have, but we're all very, very comfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody knows how it goes and the steps to proceed. Um, because there's an order on how to do things. You know, sometimes you make sure you don't get ahead of yourself and start focusing on something or dealing with something when it's going to have to change because you have to do another part of it. So that's one of the bigger challenges for us is the ballets that have not come back for a long time. And are the easiest ones the black and white ballets, which is when the dancers just wear a leotard, usually Balanchine. Yes. Yeah, they're very simple costumes. Mm -hmm. and, and a simple set. Simple is, set, is simple costumes. The Balanchine blue. The Balanchine blue. blue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are a breath of fresh air for the production mm -hmm. staff. We'd mm -hmm. love to just sit back and enjoy those ballets and not be worried about 20 other things. Yeah. 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 So talking about this Balanchine blue, what is a Balanchine blue? The Balanchine blue is an iconic color that I think many people relate with Balanchine. And, you know, I think, you know, I equate ballet. Ballet is blue. And many of the Balanchine ballets, such as Agon, Fortis, Symphony in C, they have a blue background. It's not dark. It's vibrant. And we sort of call that the Balanchine blue because it's a signature to a lot of his black and white ballets. Marguerite, what are some of the craziest memories you have of being backstage during shows? Craziest memories? Uh, there's quite a few, actually. <laughs> part, of, part of my day is I never know what my day is going to be. I never know what's going to happen. And that's the good and the bad part. And whatever I think might go wrong is not usually what goes wrong. It's something else that goes wrong. Mm -hmm. There was one day we walked into the theater, and there was a bird flying around inside the theater. Interesting. And that was interesting and terrifying and concerning and we were doing a premiere that night I don't remember whose ballet it was exactly but we had a world premiere that night and this poor bird I don't know how it got in it was so flipped out so Aww. it was just flying around trying to find its way out and I started calling everybody and I was like well what department deals with bird removal you know yeah. <laughs> who yeah. do I call to yeah. get rid of this bird and actually, in the end, one of the dancers on stage, the bird flew by, he reached out his hand, he grabbed it, and he walked it outside. Stop. I could not have been more thankful because <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I was starting to run out of tricks. You know. Wow. That's a good moment. That was, that was unusual. So things happen. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Marguerite. Oh, We've pleasure. learned so much. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. We're also very happy to have here with us today in the Rosenbox, John Bradwick and Marlene Olson. Can you each tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to have the position that you have now? Well, my name is Marlene. Um, I'm the assistant wardrobe mistress. I started in 2007 filling in dressing for Sleeping Beauty, and I kind of got connected with 
Norma tried, who's the wardrobe mistress, because I was working at a shop, a costume shop downtown that she used to work at. So she called down there, and that's how she met me. What about you, John? Hi, I'm John Radwick. I'm the wardrobe supervisor, or wardrobe master is my title in the program, which sounds a little archaic. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I'm essentially the men's wardrobe supervisor. And um, gosh, I've been here almost 15 years now in varying capacities. Could you describe your jobs that you have now? Like, what does it entail on a day-to-day basis? Um, It's a lot of juggling. we're a repertory company, so unlike a supervisor for a Broadway show, you're only working on prepping one show and then if alternates come in, but we're always prepping a new show. And then we also deal with setting up the tours and getting the tours packed and everything. So, Like packing the costumes? Yes. and We pack like a whole crate with like sewing supplies with steamers, because a lot of times some theaters don't on the road don't have supplies that you can use, so you have to be able to manage everything on the road Mm -hmm. also. Well, we basically almost do the same thing in the men's department as the ladies do in their department. It's just the company is so big that you have to have two departments to handle it all because there's so much happening. And part of the reason for that is actually in conjunction with what Marlene was saying is we get our casting typically only two weeks in advance from when the ballet appears on stage. So during that time, everything has to be repaired, everything has to be fit, everything has to be altered, and it also has to be done in time for a dress rehearsal, which could happen actually days before the premiere. So sometimes actually you have maybe a week and a half before the clothes have to be fit, altered, repaired on stage for a dress rehearsal. So And actually sometimes we don't have a full dress rehearsal. Maybe just a principal might might be in costume. So you Mm -hmm. have to gauge that everything looks the best that it can. And sometimes occasionally, I mean, even after you see the first performance, you might want to tweak something here or there, because that sometimes is the first time you've seen everything on stage together at the same time. And then we also kind of, we come to you if we have complaints, because there might be some things that the dancers feel that you guys might not notice as a problem, but we have a feeling that it just isn't as great as it could be. And so it's very helpful to have you guys backstage. I mean, that's the balance where I was trying to maintain Mm -hmm. is because the dancers want their costume fit as closely to the body as possible to be as attractive as possible on these beautiful bodies that we have. But at the same time, they have to be able to move and dance in them. So sometimes we have to make slight adjustments along the way to maximize their movement and their comfort. I know Marlene knows me. I like to make sure that my chest is covered. And so I'll always do a back bend to just yes. test it out. And then I'll take some really deep breaths to make mm-hmm. sure that I can expand in a very big way. Yeah, and being around everyone, you know, we're at the theater 10-hour days, 12-hour days. You get to realize, like, some dancers have certain preferences they want on their costume. And then you have to make that work if they're sharing it with someone else and um, figure out the best way to, like, do that alteration and make it work for everyone. So Arona and I are dancers. We can be a bit crazy at times. And you guys see us right before we go on stage. How is it dealing with us in those very intimate moments and also in the moments um, throughout the day where we... We all have hectic schedules. 
sometimes it's stressful. And, like, I think I'm pretty good at reading people of, like, how, you know, how they feel in the moment. But then it's just sometimes it's just not good. <laughs> that's a good way. That's the best way to put it. We're honestly. here for candid chat. But, that's yeah, what we yeah, say well, in our podcast. But, and we also do have, like, as far as other production in the theater, we do have the most, like, face-to-face interaction with the dancers. So, like, I do, I'm like, sometimes I feel like an annoying older sister telling people what to do or, like, come. <laughs> come to your costume fitting yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Or I give, like, you know, random life advice, and I'm like, am I, was I corny? Probably, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's true with the guys. It's it's interesting that um, when they come to a fitting, you know, you want the wardrobe room to be sort of a safe space because we know the pressures all the dancers are under. And I try not to have my pressures, which are, I have two weeks to get these costumes on mm-hmm. stage, why haven't you come to your fitting? <laughs> All about me, you know. So I try, I really do, I try to take sort of the temperature when they come in, because I've known so many of them for so long, and then react accordingly. Because my nature is, depending, regardless of the day I'm having, I want everything to be fine, and I want everybody to be happy. But, you know, sometimes being like, you know, Mr. Smiley Face around a dancer who's injured or exhausted or hates the costume that they're about to put on for whatever reason, you know, it's hard. So you try to have some sort of balance, but you want everybody to feel like you're glad to see them, and I actually am glad to see them. But, like... Um, Maureen, sometimes I feel like the evil stepmother, not to Milan, <laughs> stepmothers, I'm sorry, I take it back. Um, but you, sometimes you're saying, if I don't see you today, if we need to do something, we will not be able to get it done. Because so much of the work we actually do is done by hand, and it just takes hours, and a lot of um, people lose sight of that because it's not what's right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, and so sometimes they forget about us because they have so much going on. And then you, you know, sort of give them the old stiff arm and say, today, I must see you today. But uh, it's such a pleasure, you know, to grow up with everybody. You know, I'm growing older. I'm much older than almost everybody in the company. But to um, see people who get into the company and, and know them for such a long period of time, 10 or 15 years, some of them already, is really a pleasure not only as a person, but also to watch them as a performer grow and their opportunities and how they cope with stress when they get a, a soloist role or their first big principal role. It's always um, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you also get to see us not just before the show, but right after. And also dealing with the energy when the show goes well or when the show doesn't. That's also, a, a, I think, a talent at times, and Jason is down to take our costumes off because sometimes if the show goes well, you have like people backstage and you're chit-chatting and taking photographs, of course, and then we do feel bad for the dressers because we were like, we should be out of this costumes. And Marlene, you've hunted me down a number <laughs> of times because <laughs> I, I usually take off my boy shoes before I get out of costume, for, for a few reasons. One, because I can't wait to get out of my point. <laughs> Two, because there's usually a crowd of people getting out of their costume. So, but sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. I know sometimes Everyone's like, has their crowd. coats on. I'm like, no, 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 Claire. 
You're like, where's Claire? <laughs> it's time. <laughs> Claire's I'm not back sorry. <laughs> well, I can be deviant sometimes. <laughs> well, so it's such an interesting balance because a lot of the dressers have been here. If we've done dress rehearsals that day, they've been here 10 or 12 hours, just the same as the dancers. Mm -hmm. And at the end of your performance, you have your adrenaline rush and everybody else is tired and ready to go home because mm -hmm. they've been here so long. So um, we're always happy to see you when you come in on a timely time. fashion yes. to take off your costume. <laughs> I get it, I get it. And I'm, I'm getting better. Right, Marlene? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, fished, I fished for that one. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Can you tell us how many people are in each of you guys' department? For the women's department, we have um, three stitchers, and then we have four dressers that are with us all the time. And then when we get the addition of the beautiful little girls. We have more dressers. So for Nutcracker, we add on four dressers for the little girls. Yep. And for um, my department, we have two stitchers full-time. Give a shout-out to Jose um, Gutierrez and Tom Birch, and um, three full-time dressers during a normal season if it's a regular ballet. Our principal dresser is Artie Brown, and we have Chip White and um, Serape Walton on the third floor with the, some of the soloists and the corps de ballet, and they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. And during Nutcracker, as Marlene was saying, we add an additional three dressers, two for the children and one upstairs in order to get the changes done on time. And also the business we do backstage, we need extra hands in order to get some of those changes done. Talking a little bit about those changes, can you tell us how you deal with a quick change or a stressful change that has to happen very quick? We have, um, for the men's department, we have one very fast change in the um, nutcracker for the prince. Um, just before he goes out and there's the reveal at the end of the snow scene when he goes from being the nutcracker into the prince, magically revealed. And um, it takes three dressers to do that, and essentially we choreograph it just like anything you guys do. Everybody has their own duty, and um, they do it. And as Marlene said, the same thing happens. There's always some little thing that that goes wrong, like a suspender doesn't come all the way off a shoulder, so the pants don't come off as easily as you'd like them to. Thankfully, that change in particular, um, we've been doing for so many years that it's pretty set. So after the new prince has done it for maybe two or three times, it really becomes clockwork. And before the shows, too, you guys, maybe not so much for the Nutcracker, but you do set up chairs yeah. in certain spaces backstage with the costume draped over it in a very strategic way so that when the dancer comes off stage, they can, they know what they're looking at, they know which pieces to put on when. Yeah, a lot of times when it's a show with like multiple changes, like the, the pieces, the costumes will be stacked in the show order, so you're always going to the next piece, the next piece. So that's a lot of planning and a checklist and making sure everything's in line. Talking about um, chairs set up, I mean, typically, the further away the changes from the stage, the more time there was for this for the change itself. And of course, the further away you get from the stage into the wings, the more likely you are to run into other people, traffic patterns, yeah. something gets in the way, there's a piece you of stage scenery, yeah. anything can happen. So the more important a change is, the m if there's not a lot of time, the closer the change gravitates to the very edge of the wing. 
-hmm. which it happens, yeah. yeah. Some of those costume changes for something to dance about happen, like, in the wing. In, yeah, Marlene, you helped me with a quick change for that piece. So yeah. The, one of our Jerome Robbins tribute pieces. But we have to get out of, I think, a, a very beautiful light blue gown and leotard into a Charleston outfit with, instead of bare feet, I have to wear heels. But it's done in perhaps like 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, most of those changes for that ballet were, I think, under like 30. Yeah, and I think in Broadway shows, they have a lot of quick changes like that, but we, that's not our, I mean, you guys are obviously excellent at it, but maybe that's not our ex area of expertise, or we don't have the manpower to yeah, do it, it's hard. to have a dresser um, per dancer. Yeah, yeah. it's also hard, because that's not our normal ballet, stepping yeah. into something that does it, and you just have to switch your mindset um, and then you could be doing a different ballet the next day, so who knows if you're going to forget what you're supposed to do. Like, Yeah, just thinking about it is giving me some I know, stress. I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm sweating. Yeah, I'm take true. my scarf. And I remember being like, I'm like, Marlene, it's not on. It's not on. It's Marlene. <laughs> just kidding. How many, do you remember how many costume yeah. changes you had for that? Maybe three or four. I had like five. Yeah. Yeah, and One, we we have thirteen male dressers for that show because wow. the, the guys because the changes are yeah. so fast so that fast. it uh, it almost has to be one to one, yeah. and some of the clothes also travel side to side on yeah, the stage. Track so you have pieces. to track pieces as well that come off somebody on stage mm -hmm. right, but then need to go back on them on stage left. So it's um, yeah, it keeps you busy. Yeah. I remember, on your toes. This is a random anecdote. I think it was with you, Marlene. One day at the Kennedy Center before this ballet, I got so turned around in the Kennedy Center that I thought stage left was stage right. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, Marlene, why isn't my costume on stage left? I was like, what? I was Where like, is wait, it? Wait, and I'm going, I'm going to tell you a secret here. After you did that, Marlene came to me and said, what is going on with Claire? <laughs> she said, she thinks this changes. She keeps telling me to put this change on the other side of the stage. And it's not. <laughs> I felt so silly, though, after I went down to the dressing room. I was like, I, I think, am I think so Claire's stupid. words were, wherever you want to set them, it's all right. I'm like, no, we need to get this straight. This is the right side for the costume. I just oh needed my to get my head straight. That's really what needed to happen. Well, but there's so much going, and you're in a different environment. And it's it's absolutely. I was like a cat. Out Again, of my we home. travel so well. You change us, and we forget box. where live left and right is. Ooh, that was a bad moment for me. That was like <laughs> one minute before we started the ballet too. <laughs> she did. She looked at me. She's like, what, am I what, to do? What, what do I do? Claire is having a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> but you were very lovely afterwards, and I heard that you apologized. I, I did. I was like, good. I said sorry. If I'm ever in the wrong, I usually try to say it really quickly because I hate having a grudge over my head. It wasn't even a grudge. It was just I was so confused. I was just literally I mean, was confused. Like, this is my chic. <laughs> You're like, you must have changed. And, like, that, <laughs> and that was the first time we were doing it there with all yeah. new dressers. It's so true. the dressers it's had true. never that, done it. So no, everyone backstage what, is relying on the on the notes that we bring along as well as direction from the Which is the why I went to Marlene because I just wanted to make sure my lay of the land was in order so that I wouldn't have any extra mm. stress. And I ended up causing extra yeah. stress. <laughs> Literally, you so, know, it was already. <laughs> it was perfectly ready. <laughs> but um, but the show, I think, was fine. I it think. went really well in yeah. D.C. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's really incredible how many people it takes to put on a New York City ballet performance. And like so many of these quick changes, the audience doesn't even know. But that's part of the magic is that there's all these things that are happening backstage so that this beautiful art form can be exhibited in its top form with costume, with lights, with the dancers. Yeah, there's so many people working there's backstage. There's so many people, the stagehands. <clears throat> you know, people don't really think about that. They just see the one, the wondrous um, elements of the ballet. It's very cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us on The Rosin Box. We are going to take the curtain down now. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Today's question for Ask the Dancer is, how long does it take you to sew your point shoes? I think it takes me about 15 minutes to sew my point shoes. I wish I could say it took me... Five. Yeah. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. And I know some dancers in the company, though, I, I bet that some dancers would answer eight to ten. But I'm not that fast. So that, and, but yeah, I usually do the elastic first. So I sew um, two little bits on either side of my heel. That takes a few seconds. And then a few seconds. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Yeah, I was like, if it only took a few seconds. Um, so yeah, I sew that elastic around the heel, and then I sew the ribbons on either side of the shoe um, for both shoes, and that takes about 15 minutes. And then I do other prep work for the point shoe, too, which adds up a little bit, but sewing the shoe takes about 15 minutes. And that's all for today in the Rosin Box. Curtain down. And please... Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to stay up to date on the latest episode releases. If you like this show, please leave us a review. We hope to see you soon in the theater, so head over to nycballet.com to have a look at what's on stage. We'll hear from you next time. John Radwick, I'm from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. That's a fun can place. You, I know, can you believe it? Sheboygan. Nobody is from Wisconsin. Um, I'm from New York City Ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. That's where I'm from now.